This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Let's begin tonight's fair by going back to 1952 for a visit with Johnny Dollar, an insurance investigator who notates every little expense at the end of each case. Tonight's episode is entitled The James Clayton Matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for John Lund as... Johnny Dollar. Hi, Chet Graham, Johnny. Who? Wake up, boy. Chet Graham claims New York Mutual. Oh, hi, Chet. How are things? Bad. Johnny, I have to make a little trip out to the coast on a phony claim. I'll be gone about four days, but I need someone to hold down my office while I'm away. Can you do it? Well, that's not my line, Chet. You know that. Well, make it your line, Johnny. Somebody has to be here. Look, you can live in my apartment. You can use my tickets to wish you were here. You can even take my girl if you want. New York's swell this time of year. Can't you get anybody there? Oh, everybody's got the flu or busy or something. When do you want to leave for the coast? I'd like to get out on the noon plane today. Well, I can be down there by 11. Good. We'll probably miss each other, but just walk right in the office and make yourself at home. I'll call you from L.A. Have a good trip. Uh, by the way, what does your girl look like? Even your best dream was never that good. Just leave her phone number on your desk. John Lund, in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to New York Mutual Underwriters Limited, Rockefeller Center, New York City. Attention, Mr. Chester Graham, claims and adjustments. Dear Chet, you probably read some of this in the Los Angeles papers, but they don't have the whole story. Maybe they'll never get it all. I hope not. I found out part of it, stumbled into the rest of it, and I'm trying to forget all of it. The following is an accounting of expenditures during your four-day absence in my investigation of the James Clayton matter. Expense account item one, $14.35 transportation Hartford to New York, where, as per your advice, I walked in your office, sat down, and made myself at home. And where, 15 minutes later, I had a caller. Mr. Dollar, is it? That's right. The girl at the reception desk said Mr. Graham was out of town and that you were taking his place. Yes. Please sit down. Well, thank you, but I don't have time. I'm Miss Stebbins, Dr. James Clayton's nurse. He asked me to see you. I see. He gave me these policy numbers. He said that your company wrote these policies and that he'd like to talk to one of you. Well, certainly, Miss Stebbins. He can come by any time. No, you don't understand. Dr. Clayton can't get away from the office. We're terribly rushed, and I really should be getting back myself. He's there all alone. Well, do you know what it's about, Miss Stebbins? I... No. The doctor's been acting strangely all day. He had me cancel all of his outside calls, and then he sent me here. He said to explain that it was very urgent. I'm... 
I'm very concerned for him. The tall, pale brunette girl in the crisply starched uniform and cape was certainly concerned about something. She bit her lip, forced out a wan, unprofessional smile, and started to cry. I pretended not to notice all this as we got on the elevator and went down into the street. However, ten minutes later, when we arrived at a suite of offices in the Pelroy building, I had to notice Dr. James Clayton. He met us at the door. Most of his costume was medically correct, white coat and carrying a stethoscope in one hand. But in the other, he brandished a thirty-two Ivor Johnson. The safety was off. Oh, oh, it's you. Yes, doctor. This is Mr. Dollar from the insurance office. Claims investigation? Yeah. Oh, fine. Uh, Jane, this would be a good time for you to get some lunch, don't you think? Well, doctor, I have all of those lab reports to No, go ahead, Janie. Like a good girl, I want to speak with Mr. Dollar alone. Of course, doctor, if you say so. Goodbye, Mr. Dollar. Goodbye. Come in, Mr. Dollar. Sit down. Very fine girl, Jane. She's worked for me a long time. Very fine. Do you always meet her at the door with firearms, doctor? Oh, oh, this. Well, all I can say is this is a ridiculous mess. My life's been threatened by a man who has definite homicidal tendencies. This, I, I, I don't even know how to load it. <laughs> I look foolish, I suppose. A threat on your life, doctor, comes under the heading of police business. I know that very well. And I would go directly to the police, only... Well, it is a delicate matter. You seem dubious already. No, just curious. Go on, please. Well, several months ago, I attended a patient named Florence Harmon. A thorough examination disclosed that her poor physical condition wasn't based on any organic disorder, but rather upon an emotional instability. Now, this I finally discovered was brought about by her marriage to an erratic, ruthless, ill-tempered man, Benjamin Harmon. I could only advise that she divorce him immediately. Well, that's somewhat extreme, Doctor. Are you always certain of advice like that? In this case, there's no other answer. I approached Mr. Harmon on the subject last night at his home. I explained that Mrs. Harmon's health, her very life is in jeopardy. More is involved here than keeping intact a union which has... Nothing but legality is a binding force. I see. But uh, Mr. Harmon doesn't care for semantics, huh? Uh, He attacked me. If it hadn't been for the assistance of Mrs. Harmon and a servant, he might have choked me to death. When I left, he threatened me. Then you should have called the police. Yes, yes, I've thought of that. But look, if if you approached Harmon in the right manner, Dollar, he might discard his ideas of violence. Well, you're the expert on homicidal tendencies, but... Best thing I can see for you is to prefer assault charges and have them locked up. I know all that, but it's for Mrs. Harmon's sake. Please understand, she's been through a shattering ordeal. Look, Mr. Dollar, would you you go see him and talk to him? If you think he means it, really, then I'll call the police and prefer charges against him. The Harmon residence was in Westchester. A story and a half colonial with all the trimmings. There was a 51 Cadillac in the open garage and a 52 Ford station wagon in front of the house. Yes? This one didn't have a white coat or stethoscope, but he had a gun. What is it? Mr. Harmon? I'm Harmon. What do you want? Mr. Harmon, my name is Dollar. Dollar, huh? Get out of my way! Oh! Here, Mr. Dollar. Drink this. Easy now. Oh. Take it, please. Oh, you had quite a blow. Try a little more. It should make you feel better. 
What was... Who... Oh, you... You can bring suit against him, against us. You can do anything you want to, Mr. Dollar. He's just ungovernable. He could easily have killed you. You, uh, Mrs. Harmon? Yes. Your husband think I was the iceman? Oh, I don't know what he thought. I, I just heard him yell at you, and when I came to the door, you were lying there, and he'd taken the station wagon and left. Why, last night, he even attacked my personal physician and threatened to kill him. I don't know what's gotten into him. You'd better sit down. Oh, it's getting better. Where'd he go? Heaven only knows. Mad. That's what he is, Mr. Dollar. Mad. He's liable to do anything. I'm... I'm scared. I'm scared stiff. I called Dr. Clayton, who promised to notify the police. It was about a quarter to six when I got back to his office. A broad-shouldered man in a tweed suit was in the reception room. Hi. You Dr. Clayton? No. Hey, uh, don't I know you? I was thinking the same about you. Uh, wait, Dollar? Yeah. Tom Bassman, Central Division. Oh, sure. How are you, Tom? Fine. Hey, you must be the one. What? This Dr. Clayton called downtown about a threat, said his insurance company had advised him to report it. That's right. Well, where is he? Well, he should be here, Tom. What's his nurse say? I rang the buzzer. No one around at all. What's this all about? man named Benjamin Harmon's threatened the doctor's life. I met him myself. He's carrying a gun, and he looked dangerous to me. I just came from his house. He's still there? No. I better phone in and get a pickup out on him. When the doctor shows up, I'll get a complaint. And... Oh, hello. Hello. Why, Mr. Dollar. Hello, Miss Stevens. Dr. Clayton here? This is Sergeant Bassman. We want to see him ourselves. You're a police officer? That's right, miss. I heard him talking to you on the phone. Is anything the matter? Just want to see him. Well, goodness, he sent me out to pick up these things. He was here when I left. Oh. What? Perhaps he had an emergency. Well, is there any way we can find out? Well, if he had one, it would be right here on the pad, because I always have to know... Hmm. That's funny. What? He got an emergency call, 1213 Alessandro Street. Can I see that, please? Uh-huh. There's no name on this, Miss Stevens. Do you recognize the address at all? No, I don't. Doctor just wouldn't take a random emergency call unless it were very unusual. This might be unusual. Dollar, how bad off did you think Harmon was? Mad. Had a gun. Cracked me. Plenty rough. Hmm? This is in the warehouse district. Think we better go down there? I think so. vacant lot over there. This one's 1240 and the rest belong to that warehouse. Yeah. Tom. Hmm? That car. MD on the license plate? Yeah. <clears throat> it might be Clayton's. Yeah. Uh, it's Clayton's car, all right. He must be around here somewhere looking for 1213. Yeah. Well, let's have a peek. This was. Yeah. 
John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. An hour of questioning in the neighborhood turned up two people who recalled hearing the shots. And one man remembered seeing a man who answered Benjamin Harmon's description loitering in the vicinity of a nearby bar earlier in the evening. Obviously, Dr. Clayton had been lured to his death by the murderer who had telephoned him, pretended to need a physician, waited till the victim appeared, and then shot him down. Expense account item three, $11.65. A good dinner, three martinis, tip, and thinking at Toot Shores. After which, I strolled over to the Pelroy building. Expense account item four, five dollars even. Bribed watchman. Uh, I shouldn't be doing this, you know. Might lose my job over it. I appreciate it. But since you're from the insurance company, I guess you're all right. Just looking around is all. Too bad about the doctor. Nice fellow. Very. What do you think you'll find? A policeman been here till almost an hour ago, poking around. You know if they found anything? Sure. Well, what? Doctor's emergency kit. Heard him say he didn't take it uh, with him when he went out on that emergency. Well, don't be too long. The business about the emergency kit started me thinking. I opened Clayton's file drawer and skimmed through every patient's name from Abbott to Zabrowski. He'd been a thorough man and from all evidences, operated an efficient medical office. However, he had no medical history in his files on Florence Harmon. There was nothing to indicate that she had ever been a patient of his. On the other hand, there was an entry a year before which showed that he had examined, treated, and discharged Benjamin Harmon as a patient. I think these two developments supplied me with all of the curiosity I needed for a while. Nurse Jane Stebbins' home address was duly noted on Dr. Clayton's phone book. Oakdale House. Surprisingly enough, on Oak Street. Special rates for nurses. Room 210. Oh, Mr. Dollar. How do you feel? Not too good, Mr. Dollar. I just got home a little while ago. They kept me down there pretty long. Do you want to come in? Thanks. I don't want to keep you up. It isn't much of a place, is it? I mean, I haven't straightened it up for days, it seems. I'm sorry. Things like this aren't easy. I know. Don't apologize to me. Sit down, Mr. Dollar. Have they caught Mr. Harmon yet? No, not yet. Uh, Miss Stebbins, you worked for Dr. Clayton a long while, didn't you? Five years. Then you should be able to tell me who he was going to marry. Marry? Well, I didn't know. I have no idea. He'd already made arrangements for a honeymoon. Honeymoon? Look. Reservations on the Ile de France for next April. 
I found him in his desk drawer. Confirmed to Dr. and Mrs. James Clayton. Well? What difference does it make? I don't know. Seems strange that you've been with him for such a long time and didn't know about this. I... Or did you? All right. What about Mrs. Harmon? Well... Look, Miss Stebbins, things are wrong all the way down the line about your doctor's death, about what happened before it. It'll come out sooner or later. I suppose it will. It's awful to say this, Mr. Dollar, but Mrs. Harmon was the only one Dr. Clayton saw socially. And she, of course, is married. Of course. And the good doctor advised her to get a divorce. He meet her when Mr. Harmon was a patient of his? Yes, that's right. They became friendly. But Mrs. Harmon was never a patient. No, never. Just her husband. What can you tell me about Mr. Harmon? Well, really, all I know is he came in to see Dr. Clayton a few times. Over a year ago, I guess. Then after... After he saw what was happening between Mrs. Harmon and Dr. Clayton, he stopped coming in. I sent a copy of his medical history to another doctor. But Dr. Clayton had been seeing Mrs. Harmon all this time. It's awful to say this now, Mr. Dollar. Doctor's dead. I'm no moralist. We're all human. It's happened before. Married people have been attracted by others. I'm tired, Mr. Dollar. Sure. Do you have any idea why I was called in today? At first, I didn't. I... Well, of course, it happened. The police told me about Mr. Harmon's threats. But I don't understand what you're trying to do. The police want Mr. Harmon, and what does it all mean? It means the wrong man was killed. Please, Mr. Dollar. I should have tumbled to it right away, but your husband fit the part too well. Now, look here. I've been through quite enough today with the police looking for Ben. I don't have... You and Clayton... I was going to be the star witness when the state tried him for shooting your husband. Whatever I said as a material witness would back up his self-defense plea and get him off on a justifiable homicide. Isn't that it? I tell you, I won't listen And you and the doctor would sail to France and live happily ever after. What's the matter? Wouldn't your husband give you a divorce? You won't listen. Go ahead. If you say it's that way, Mr. Dollar, and you know everything, I know you know everything, then it must be that way. Yeah, only it got fouled up. Your husband did shoot your doctor boyfriend after all. Get out of here. Get out of my house. You can't prove anything. You're right, Mrs. Harmon. I can't prove anything. Not a thing. They catch your husband and they'll put him away for it. But you have something to live with for the rest of your life. Or maybe you didn't really love your doctor after all. Get out! Get out! Leave me alone! Leave me alone! What? Well, that's it, Sergeant. I want to know if people can really get by with this kind of thing in our courts of law. If and when you pick up Benjamin Harmon, will he have any kind of defense? Oh, we'll get him, Dollar. The others, I can't answer. What you just told me is really a thing. I don't see how any lawyer can do much for a guy who threatens another man's life and finally guns him down, do you? Supposing I could prove that Harmon was being set up as a patsy, that the doctor was really supposed to gun him down and plead self-defense. Up to the judge and the jury. When we get Harmon, he'll be arraigned and indicted on first-degree murder charges. Don't worry about that. And if it goes that far, it generally means he'll get the works. After all, we're pretty sure he shot and killed the doctor. Hang up, Dollar. Huh? You still there, Dollar? Hang up or I'll blow your head off. 
Benjamin Harmon wasn't kidding. He was blazing mad, he had a gun, and I knew he wasn't afraid to use it. I was across the street when you left my place a little while ago. Fixing up another deal, were you? I don't know what you're talking about, Harmon. I followed you here so we could have this talk. And we're going to have it, you and I. You ought to put that gun away and let them take you. They'll shoot you down if they see Nobody's you. Nobody's going to shoot me down, not yet. Now, where's your office? Hartford, Connecticut. I mean here. Where do you practice here? Come on. I don't practice anything here. My office is in Hartford. This apartment belongs to a friend of mine. I'm standing in for him here while he's out of town. Where's his office? New York Mutual Liability. I mean his law office. I want to get down there and see how much... Hold on now. I'm not a lawyer. My friend's not a lawyer. We're insurance investigators. Where's the office? I tell you, we... Listen! Clayton called me this morning and said a lawyer named Dollar was on his way over to talk to me about divorcing Florence. If you hadn't started swinging that gun butt around, I'd have told you why I was there. I think I know why Clayton called you and told you that, but I don't... You and he were trying to pull something to take my wife away from me. I know that much. You're wrong, Harmon. I didn't know anything about that. Nobody takes my wife away from me. Now, that's the kind of temper that got you in all the trouble you're in. Look, you can shoot me here and I'll be number two. But they'll get you real easy here. You know I didn't kill Clayton? How do I know you didn't kill him? You threatened him. Half a dozen people heard you threaten him. I have an idea why you did it, and you might have been right, but murder for any reason... Shut up! You're in on it somewhere. You know who did kill him, and you're going to clear me or I'll whip it out of you, Dollar. I'll whip it out of you! Why, you crazy... All right. Here. Try this. Go on. I'm tired of fooling with you. Now get on your you... feet. What? Well, you got one point in your favor. This gun hasn't been fired. Do you have another one? No. No. Here, take another drink. Now you have a chance to talk to me right now. I don't think the police will be interested in much you have to say. I wanted to kill Clayton, but I didn't. I didn't. Nobody will believe that. I know I've got a temper and I've tried to control it, but I didn't kill him. I'm not impressed with that. I want facts. Where were you when Clayton was shot? How do I know? I didn't know what time he was shot. Say between five and six today. I was out getting mad. Fried. Where? Who saw you? No. After after we met, I was so sore, I jumped in the car and went out and bought myself a jug. I know it sounds crazy, but I spent most of the time just sitting in the car down to the docks, just drinking and thinking and getting mad. I don't know what it was. I don't know when I walked over to the saloon. Phone Clayton. I told him I was on Alessandro Street and to come on down. I wanted to have a showdown. You mean you wanted him to come down so you could kill him? Maybe I did have it on my mind. I don't know. I waited an hour or so, but he never showed up. When I called back at his office, nobody answered. So I climbed back in my car, and that's where I heard about my being wanted for killing him. It was on the newscast. I didn't do a dollar. I swear I didn't. The others I knew about, I didn't kill them. What others? Florence always had other friends. Yes, I don't love her anymore, but I don't know. Maybe I hate her for all of it. 
when a man doesn't let part of his life walk away from him. I wouldn't give her a divorce. If I had let her get away with it, it would have been too much for me to hold. Even though... Because... Even though you didn't love her and you knew she didn't love you? Yes. That sounds stupid. Maybe. I loved her once. She loved me the way two people only love at certain times. Hell, no sense yet. I'm not well, darling. Clayton gave me a year. Another doctor, 18 months. Finished anemia. I, the two of them could have waited at least till I was dead, couldn't they? Couldn't they? I found some sleeping pills in your medicine cabinet, and I fed him a couple with some hot cocoa. He dropped off to sleep in your bed while I made some phone calls confirming what he just told me. Expense account item five, taxi fare. $4.05 back to Oak Street, to Oakdale House. Special rates for nurses. I thought you'd be back. I'm glad it's you. I think somehow you're the kind of man who understands things. I'll be a good listener. Go ahead. When I first started as his nurse, I fell in love with him. I guess it's an old story. Terribly old and corny. But then he met her. I heard him tell you all those lies today about treating Mrs. Harmon. I was out in the hall. Didn't have any idea exactly what he intended to do until I heard him call Mr. Harmon. Right after you left. He told him you were a lawyer. He knew Harmon was upset enough to attack me. Doctor was very good about knowing what people would do. I was here when Mr. Harmon called him tonight. Doctor took the call and wrote it down on the pad. I saw him put the gun inside his coat, and I knew he was going down there to shoot Mr. Harmon. So I followed him. He was walking around in the dark looking for Mr. Harmon with a gun in his hand. I ran up to him and pleaded with him not to be crazy that she wasn't worth it. Then he said he was going to kill me, too. He struggled and the gun went off I don't know how many times. Then I came back here and pretended I'd been down to the drugstore. I see. What's your first name? Jane. Jane, Dr. Clayton made all sorts of elaborate plans so he'd have a self-defense plea. But you don't have to go to all that trouble. You can prove self-defense. He had the gun. He was going to use it on you. I beg your pardon? I can help you, Jane. It'll go second degree or manslaughter, suspended. You didn't mean to shoot him, but he meant to shoot you. No. You're nice. But I can't get off. What? I guess they haven't found her yet. I killed Mrs. Harmon an hour ago. Expense account item six, same as one, transportation back to Hartford. 
I didn't spend any other money, Chet. I didn't meet your girl, and I didn't see the musical. I didn't go anyplace. I just sat in your office and looked at the walls for the next three days. I'm leaving this where you'll see it when you come in tomorrow morning. Settle up and don't call me for a long time. A long, long time, if you call at all. Expense account total, $56.35. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars John Lund in the title role and is written by E. Jack Newman with music by Eddie Dunstetter. John Lund can currently be seen in the Universal International picture, Just Across the Street. Featured in tonight's cast were Victor Perrin, Virginia Gregg, Joseph Kearns, John McIntyre, and Jeanette Nolan. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. Every Sunday, CBS Radio's Bob Trout brings you a timely weekend roundup of world news. As a special eyewitness feature, an overseas CBS Radio News correspondent flies in to give you an up-to-the-minute account of developments on his beat. Don't miss Bob Trout's World News Roundup Sundays on the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. Let me take you back to 1949 for a listen to a very gentle comedy that dealt with Luigi Basco, a new immigrant to Chicago, trying to make his way in a new land. Tonight's episode is called Character References. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carol Nash with Alan Reed. A year ago, when Luigi Basco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, America is a land of many wonderful things. And the most wonderful thing is the radio. This intervention must be to keep people in the streets. Because all the time I'm hear a man say, run out to your nearest grocer. <laughs> Yesterday, I'm listening to my favorite story, Mamma Mia Perkins. <laughs> and the three times the man is chasing me out to my grocer. <laughs> so I'm going to make up in my mind the next week I'm going to hear a whole story. I'm bringing a grocer to my house. <laughs> Anyway, Mamma Mia, I'm a try to be real American. Man on the radio says, run to grocery and buy coffee. I buy coffee. He says, run to a drugstore and buy razor blades. I buy razor blades. Or the night there's a come on a program, a grand central station. I'm a turn it to right off. Mamma Mia, I'm a not gonna buy the super chief. <laughs> but the Mamma Mia, I'm a learn a lot from a radio. But I'm a learn even more from my night school class. Miss Spaulding, she's a smart and a beautiful teacher. And when she's a holding my hand in hers to teach me penmanship, I'm a feel like my fountain of pen is going to faint. 
Well, it's the time for my class, so I'm going to go for more education. And uh, maybe more penmanship. <laughs> I'll call the roll. Mr. Basco. Present. Mr. Horowitz. Present. Mr. Olson. Present. Mr. Schultz. I'm here, but I didn't bring a present. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. Uh. Now, class, I have an important announcement to make. Inasmuch as our little class is six months old, I've decided to hold an essay contest. The essay will be on What is America?, now, you all know what an essay is, of course. Oh, but certainly, of course. <laughs> yes, Mr. Schultz? Essay is abbreviation for South America. <laughs> no, no. What then is abbreviation for South America? SB? <laughs> no, it's SA. You see, I was right, I was right, I'm always right. Please, Mr. Schultz, please. To tell you the truth, it was a lucky guess. <laughs> Mrs. Spalding, I think I know what is an essay. Essay is a something you write, is a composition. That's huh? right, Mr. Basco. And I want everyone in the class to prepare an essay. I've invited a few of our local dignitaries to judge this contest. And this coming Tuesday night in our auditorium, we'll have refreshments. You can bring your friends, and each of you will address the group. Address the group? My goodness, ain't they going to be wearing no clothes? <laughs> That is not what I mean. What, what, what do you mean? Speech, Mr. Schultz, speech. Oh, with pleasure. Miss Balding and fellow boomers. I'm accustomed as I am. All right, all right, Mr. Schultz, that's fine. But save it for the contest. Now, one of our local merchants is going to donate a prize, and we expect to have a good crowd, probably two or three hundred people. Mr. Basco, what are you writing? I'm a writing an author telling you I'm going to be sick at Tuesday night. <laughs> You don't have to be jittery, Mr. Basco. Everyone there will be your friends. Oh, and here's a bit of advice. When you get up on that stage, just keep saying, I'm not nervous, I'm not nervous, I'm not nervous. All right, but while I'm selling that, who's going to make a speech for me? Wait, wait for me. Oh, Luigi, you walk so fast. I'm so pooped, I'm going to pop. <laughs> you know, Schultz, I like more than anything to win this contest. But I'm here only one year, and I know so little about America. Luigi, I'm here 30 years, and I'm just as stupid as you are. <laughs> Look, Luigi, if you think you don't know enough about America... Why don't you go speak to people who do know? Uh, like your postman, for instance. Schultz, I'm learning nothing from my postman. Huh? I talk to him every morning since I've been here, and always he say the same thing. What's that? My feet is killing me. <laughs> and uh, talk to your banker. Oh, say, Luigi, why don't you go to your friend, Alderman Johnson? That's right. Alderman Johnson. Ah. He's to know everything about America. I go right now to see him. Thank you, Schultz. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Schultz. Yeah. Ain't you never nervous when you gotta make a speech? Uh-huh. Well, I never was before, Luigi, but now maybe I will be. Uh -huh. You see, I got a trick. When I make a speech, I never think there's people out in front of me. I'm always imagining they are sitting there, Betty Grable, Lana Turner, Hedy Lamar, and Rita Hayworth. 
Why you say you're nervous now? Because lately there's a new face in the audience. Oh. Ali Khan. <laughs> Come in, come in. Hello, Mr. Alderman Johnson. You remember me? I was here last week. Why, certainly. I know every voter in my district. Never forget a face. Hey, what's your name? Haluigi Bosco. You see, I guessed it. Well, what can I do for you, Bosco? Mr. Alderman Johnson, if you was going to make a speech about America, what the would you say? Well, that's simple. America, land of the free, home of the brave, country of unequaled opportunity where every man can vote as he pleases. And I promise, if elected, to guarantee... Please, please, Mr. Johnson, please. A chicken in every pot, two cars in every garage... Mr. Johnson. All right, three cars. Mr. Johnson. You don't get another car if you drop dead. (laughs) Mr. Alderman, I was asking you about America. Oh, yes. America, my favorite country. America, the broad, wide land where 140 million Americans are joined together into one great union. I always thought there was two unions, AFL and the CIO. Uh, No, Vasco. The USA, land of the free and home of the brave. And I promise if I'm elected... Alderman Johnson, Alderman Johnson, please. I appreciate very much what you tell me. But the where can I get to the facts about America and the history? Well, you can go to the public library, but you won't find out more than I know. Why, my head's filled with facts. Uh, let me tell you about the pilgrims landing at Plymouth Rock in 1776. <laughs> Excuse it, there was a 16 or 20. Uh, let me quote you Lincoln's Gettysburg's address. Uh, I have but one life to give to my country. <laughs> Wasn't it four score and a 70 years ago? Uh, oh, the unforgettable words of Paul Revere on his famous horse ride at midnight. I do not choose to run. <laughs> Wasn't it one if by land and a two if by sea? Hey, Basco, you'd better go to the library. What's the matter? How do you expect to learn anything if you keep interrupting me? <laughs> My friend, hello, Luigi, hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. What's the matter with you, Luigi? Your face is looking like it's lost its best friend. Well, Pasquale, here's a long story. I got to make a speech about America, and I'm trying to get some facts. Schultz couldn't help me. So I went to my old room, and then I go to the library. Oh, sure, I... sure, go to everybody except the fellow that's bringing you from the older country, Pasquale. What's happening, that thing? Why are you running like a crazy caterpillar around the tree when all the time you could have come straight for the sap? <laughs> You're so right, Pasquale. Nobody's a bigger sapper than you. That's a funny thing. When I'm saying it, it's a sound of different. <laughs> well, Pasquale... I'm now coming to you for a help. The lady in the library said, before I can get a card, I must get a two-character reference who signed this paper for me. Well, the library, I'm glad you're coming to educate a man. Give me the paper, I read. 
ho due persone fermare che tanto per protezione. Pasquale, what do you say Italian words? I'm just translating so I can understand what I'm reading. <laughs> Luigi, I'm glad to sign this paper for you, and I'm going to get other signature for you, too. Thank you, Pasquale. My countryman. Sure, a countryman should help each other out. Luigi, I do you a favor, maybe you do me a little favor. Sure, Pasquale. One hand should always wash up the other. Good. I'm going to sign a paper for you. You sign a paper for me. All right, Pasquale. What the paper you want, I should sign. A marriage license with my daughter, Rose. Nothing to do, Pasquale. Nothing to do. Your daughter, Rose, is too fat for me. You call it 250 pounds of fat? That's a skinny. Too much a skin. <laughs> Luigi, you bad a business, a man. How much is a weigh normal, a girl? About uh, 125 a pound. So my rose is the way 250. You lucky fella, you get two girls for one prize. <laughs> Luigi, be sensible. You marry my daughter, I'm going to pay for a free honeymoon to Niagara Falls for you and the rose. Is it no deal, Pasquale? I'm not going to go to Niagara Falls with a barrel. <laughs> oh, Luigi, you're making me so mad, I would have thrown you out of the store in a second. If I could have found another boob to get a stuck with a rosa. Pasquale, you mean you're not going to sign this library paper? I'm answering you in the two words. N-O. <laughs> now, Mr. Speechmaker, what are you going to have it to say Tuesday night, eh? I'm going to be there with a rosa and the rest of the crowd. You're going to be so stupid we all laugh at you like a bigger boob. Not yet, Pasquale. I'm going to get two other people to sign. Oh, sure. And who's going to sign it for you, my broken down little antique deal, eh? What two people are you going to get? Sears in a Roebuck? <laughs> Flotsam in a Jetsam? <laughs> I.J. and a Fox? <laughs> all right, go ahead and make fun of Pasquale. But I find the two people. They sign up for me. Then I go to library and I get the cyclopedia. Cyclopedia? Luigi, my son, Mary Rosa, I buy you a bicycle. <laughs> Pasquale, cyclopedia is a mean a book. What? Out of my store, you stupid fool. Now, even if you want a Mary Rosa, I don't want you. Why? Any man who's crazy enough to ride around on a book, he's a don't belong in my store. <laughs> For the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. And so, Mamma Mia, looks like I'm not going to win a speech contest on what is America. Because I'm not going to get two character references for library. Pasquale, he's turning me down, and he's make everybody else turning me down. Only two people who would be willing to sign up for my character that are now in Italy. Uncle Pietro and his god. <laughs> and Uncle Pietro, he can't sign his name. <laughs> so I go back to the library and I tell a lady I'm going to make a bargain with her. 
instead of taking a big encyclopedia and giving a two reference, I'm going to take a smaller book and give a one reference. She's just saying no. So I say, how's about I take a pamphlet and I leave her my hat for deposit? She's just saying no. I guess maybe my hat doesn't fit her. Anyway, I'm sitting in my antique store wondering what I should do next when the door is suddenly open up. Luigi, my fellow booby, are you all ready to win the contest on what is America tomorrow night? Schultz is worse than that. I'm a think I'm going to have nothing to say. But that's too bad, Luigi, but that's good for me. Without you, I think maybe tomorrow night I will be crowned Miss America. <laughs> smile, Luigi, smile. Remember that behind every dark cloud is peeping a little top. <laughs> hey, Schultz. Schultz. You know something? Ha. I'm a just to get an idea. Oh. You a businessman. Maybe you sign a character reference for me in library so I can take out the books. Books? Why, Luigi, without books, you know, I would be lost. You know, I got one book in my delicate essence for the last two years. It takes so long to read? Who reads? I tear out the pages and wrap up herrings in it. <laughs> Schultz, please sign this paper for me so I can get a book from a library. Well, huh? I love to, Luigi, but I can't sign. You see, this book I'm talking about belongs to the library, and it's overdue. You see, I got it since January the 2nd. Well, Schultz, it's only a few weeks since the January the 2nd. 1911? <laughs> <laughs> Mamma mia, Schultz, if nobody is going to sign for me, I think I'm going to write the note to Miss Spaulding and tell her I'm out of the contest. No, no, Luigi, wait a minute. If you only want to study in the book, just go to the library in the research room. You mean is it not necessary to have a card? Of course not. Schultz, thank you for this information. <laughs> I'm going to go right the note to the library. Goodbye. Goodbye, Luigi. Oh, Luigi, wait a minute. Wait huh? a second. Yeah. Uh, when you walk out of the library, uh -huh. you should see a nice fat book with a lot of pages. You see, I'm running short for my herrings. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Goodbye, Schultz. America. I love you, you like a papa to me. Excuse me, Mr. Library Lady. My friend, he's telling me something about the research. Yes? So if you don't mind, I'm like to search this place. <laughs> If you tell me what you're looking for, sir, perhaps I can help you. Well, I'm likely to study a book on what is America. And if you give me advice, I'd be happy to listen. Uh, what era? What era? <laughs> Lady, you can talk in either one. I'm here good in a book. Any particular date? Well, I'm interested in a finding out... Quiet, please. <laughs> I'm a sorry. There are people reading. You'll have to lower your voice. All right. I'm interested in a finding out... Too low. I'm interested in a finding out... Too loud. I'm interested. How's that? Good. 
I'm interested in finding out. Why, please. Just go over to that filing cabinet, look under the A's, and you'll find hundreds of books listed under America. Thank you so much. Hmm, you're so quiet to hear. Everybody's a read for themselves. Guess that they don't want nobody else to shoot and enjoy. Ah, here's the cabinet. Oh, there's a little card in the front of each box. Let me see. What does first the card is to say? Ah, two... Bug. That's a funny libraries have got a bugs. Well, I'm looking for a book. I pull out this drawer. Oh, I guess I pull out the too far. I'm, I'm sorry, people. Quiet, please. Ah, there. Drawer is a back, and now I'm looking at two cards. A lot of cards under America. Hey, what's this? America, C. Hmm. Excuse, please, Miss Library Lady. This is a card that say I should see you. What? Sure, and this is a card that say America, see us. That's U.S. Well, that's us. <laughs> it means United States. Look under you. Huh? <laughs> What am I going to find under me? In the card cabinet, United States. Oh, all right. Thank you. Now, this is the time I pull them out the slow. Mamma mia, short the drawer. I wonder what's happened to that other fella. Maybe he should go home. Well, I look for book. United States, also see under. He's a back. I'm sorry. United States, see Colombia. Colombia, Colombia. Colombia, gem of the ocean. See, God bless America. Ah, God bless America. See Irving of Berlin. <laughs> Mamma mia, I'm going to spend all this time looking for America and I'm going to wind up in a Berlin. <laughs> I try under A again. Let me see now. America, America. Rise of America. Hey, that's so good. Rise of American Civilization by Charles and Mary Beard. Miss Library Lady. Shh. What is it? Please, I'd like to see this book on America by Charles and Mary. Well, what's the last name? I don't know, but they both got a beard. <laughs> no, that's not the right. The Mary can't have a beard. Well, you must mean The Rise of American Civilization by oh. Charles and Mary Beard. Uh-huh. The book is right here on the shelf. Thanks. Here, take it. Thank you. Please try to be quiet uh -huh. and sit down. Oh, excuse me, please. Mamma mia, what am I going through for that speech? Hey, wait a minute. This book looks good. I read. 
the first man to reach America was a Norseman named Leif Erikson. That's a big lie. Hey, library lady. What about the Christopher Columbus? I'll have to ask you to leave. Please. I'd be quiet. It's too late. You'll have to go now. But I've no got a speech. Well, you've made too much noise. Please leave now. This way out. Mamma mia. A lot of time learn in the library. I can just see myself standing up in auditorium in front of Pasquale and the rest of the people tomorrow night. And all I'm going to be able to say is, quiet, please. <laughs> Conclusion, fellow poopers and classmates. Let me say, America is just like a big delicatessen. In the north is salami, in the south is bologna, in the east is sauerkraut, and in the west is uh, California. I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Schultz. Well, we've heard from almost everyone in the class, and now we'll hear from our last speaker, Mr. Luigi Vasco. Mrs. Spaulding, I got only one thing to say. What's that? I'm not to hear. <laughs> come now, Mr. Vasco. Everybody was just as nervous as you. <laughs> now, come on up here on the stage. Come on. That's it. Fine. Ladies and gentlemen, business of people and a guest of honor. I'm going to have lots of trouble finding out information and stuff about America. So I'm not to have a regular speech. I'm going to have anything from a books. All I can tell you about what is America is now a little more than a year since I'm arrived in America. How I'm going to remember exciting a speech Captain he makes on a boat. He tells how America is a big melting pot. He says if you want to enjoy the pot, you got to melt. <laughs> Captain is a talker so much about the melting pot that by the time I step off of the boat, I'm going to feel like a beef stew. <laughs> but now, now I know what the captain means. America is a place where everybody is living nice together. Only I think Captain America, what a mistake. Here is a fast. Everything is a speed, a quick. People is a hustle and a bustle and a rushing. Fast, always in a hurry. America is not the melting pot. It's a pressure cooker. <laughs> but is a pressure cooker what I like? Because, well, pick our own class. We got the Miss Spaulding, Schultz, Olison, Horowitz, and the May Basco, and we all best of a friend. I'm a proud of America. Someday I become a citizen. I hope America is a bit proud of me. Well, I think I'm a finish. <laughs> well, uh... Now that the speeches are over, the judges will select the winner. 
In the meantime, there are refreshments in the back. Thank you. Eh, Luigi, you big fool. Just like I must say, your speech was so bad that nobody's even a clap of hands for you. Liza Pasquale, I know. I I'm feeling bad enough. All right, Luigi. Maybe this is going to teach you a lesson. Forget about a foolish night to school and education. That's not for you. You should have get married like every normal man. <laughs> Maybe you're right, Pasquale. But who's going to marry a dope like me? I got it just to the right to match. <laughs> Rosa! 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 You called me Papa! <laughs> Come here, Rosa. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> Hello, Rosa. <laughs> Rosa, even though this Luigi is the dumbest, the most stupid, the biggest, the greener horn of boob, I think we're still willing to marry him. <laughs> Me too. Ooh, shut up, you guys. Now, will everyone take his seat? We are now ready to announce the winner of our contest. In the unanimous opinion of the judges, who, like you, were so touched they were unable to applaud, I am happy to say it is Mr. Luigi Vasco. Mama, Mama Mia. And Mr. Fisher, one of our judges, would like to make a special award. Thank you, Miss Balding. Mr. Vasco, I understand you had quite a bit of trouble trying to get a library card. I happen to be the head librarian for this district, and it gives me great pleasure to present you with a library card of your own. But I have to have a two character references. <laughs> Mr. Vasco, a man of your character doesn't need reference. Mamma mia, it's a wonderful. But the Pasquale, you make me feel so terrible, like the worst day of my life. But no more. From now on, I'm a never coming to your store again, never. And now for the award which was so generously donated by one of our local businessmen, Mr. Pasquale. What? <laughs> Mr. Vasco, you have just won two weeks' free meals at Pasquale's Spaghetti Palace. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's X-1, followed by Honest Herald. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.